<laughs> well, you have a handout, and it's um, uh, a, a, for one thing, it, it's formatted wrong. So it's you've got lots of white space to write extra things on the sides, and um, I'm going to read a couple things from the beginning of the handout. So. Uh, Jerome, who is a fourth-century Christian author in uh, in uh, in Palestine, said that among the Hebrews it was forbidden for anyone under the th under thirty to read the first chapter of Genesis, um, and or to explain it or try to explain it. Um, Aristotle caught himself in a philosophical trap because he refused to believe that human beings ever had any beginning at all, and that mankind himself was eternal. And that, so there was never a first man since man was already always there. That was Aristotle's line of reasoning. Plato, who was Aristotle's teacher, was much closer to the truth and believed that there was, in fact, some beginning and that the universe must have been created at some time. Um, but Plato, and in fact, Plato was much closer to Christian thought than a lot of Greek philosophers. The problem with us is that Plato didn't write everything down. Aristotle wrote a lot more down. But Plato's teacher was Socrates, who wrote nothing down. So you, but you've got this line from Socrates to Plato to Aristotle. Anybody know Aristotle's famous pupil? Not a, not a philosopher. Alexander the Great. That's the line. Teacher to student, teacher to student, teacher to student. Ending with Alexander the Great. Um, and uh, I'm going to go to the bottom of the page here. You've got some of their notes um, but in fact, the, the best commentary I know on the book of Genesis is by Martin Luther. It's eight volumes long. And he just lets himself talk about whatever he wants, which is wonderful. He was just lecturing and the students were writing down what he said. Um, it's a, it's it, because he, he's not limited by, oh, I can only have 300 pages or I can only have 500 pages. He didn't care. He's just talking. Um, but Exodus 20, 11 will be our guide. That's this verse here. Um, it didn't, didn't pop. Is that it? Yeah. Um, and let's read that together. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. That's our whole basis for how we understand the first chapter of Genesis, is by allowing another part of Scripture, and by the way, same author, right? Moses wrote Genesis and Exodus. So uh, we're going to allow Moses to tell us what Moses meant, which is the, the best guide to Moses is Moses himself. Um, um, and uh, God's explanation of the third commandment is in this simple truth in six days. Um, and the passage it, it will become a brick wall, um, for many people, but we're going to happily rest our shoulders many times on this brick wall when we just don't know what to say or what to think. The ancient believers often called the six-day work of the Lord's the hexameron. I'm on the second page now of your notes. Hexameron means six days work, okay, or six days. Hexhamera. The other passage that helps us is uh, Hebrews 11.3. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what was seen was not made out of what was visible. And this is how we understand that God made everything in the universe out of nothing. There is actually nothing in the word created 
that says out of nothing. What tells us that God made everything out of nothing originally is that is the word beginning. There, there was nothing before that. So um, when my grandmother, grandfather, Otz Raminger, uh, decided to turn his farm into a housing development and a subdivision, which he can't do anymore legally, but he did it in the 60s. Uh, uh, there, were, there was no curb and gutter. There was no electrical. It was a field. There was nothing there. And Grandpa said, there's going to be here. And there was. Um, later on, in the last year of his life, when he finally became a Christian, right before he died, he was an atheist the rest of his life, um, his wife, my grandmother, used that building project as a reference for him, for the, for the creation account in the Bible. You said, let there be, and there was. God said, let there be, and there was. And he, I think Grandpa's ego was still such that he didn't have any problem with that at all. That's right. I did that. You know. That's not how my grandfather talked, but anyway. <laughs> so, uh, so in Greek, uh, begin, it, the, the book is called Bereshit which simply means in the beginning, it's the first word of the, of the text in Hebrew. In Greek, it's called genesis or origin or birth or something like that. In the Latin, they say liber genesis, which means book of the origin, book of the genesis. And then we call it genesis, which is the same word, the beginning or the origin. And the theme that um, uh, we always uh, use for the book of Genesis is the beginning history either of God's grace or of God's uh, saving activity. Okay, so the, um, I, got a, I had a couple more passages here. I'm just going to cycle through them. Oh, another one, Jeremiah 10. Uh, God made the earth by his power. He founded the world by his wisdom and stretched out the heavens by his understanding. Um, a couple of bullet points here on the screen. Um, we noticed that all three persons of the Trinity took part in the creating. God, uh, as Almighty God, made everything from nothing. Um, he made everything in six days. I call that the hexameron. What is the thing, the tool that he used to make everything with? His word. God spoke and there was. Yeah, exactly. And then first, we're going to see that God made and then later he fashioned and he formed. So at first, everything is made just out of nothing. But then we'll see God actually fashioning things and forming things. And most famously, I suppose, we, we notice that God um, brings the land up out of the water, but also, how does God make Adam and Eve? Adam is out of the dirt, and Eve is out of a part of his side. So we'll, 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 we'll get to that. Back to your uh, handout about author and so forth. So the author of the book is Moses. Jesus always ascribes everything in the Pentateuch to Moses. Do you know the word Pentateuch? Pentateuch has the word penta as in Pentagon. Pentagon is the big military building of the U.S. It has how many sides? Five. So Pentateuch is the five books. That's what, that's what that really means. And the five books are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The first five books of the Bible, all by Moses. Um, and I just have some quotes here about the Pentateuch. Um, Joshua, who knew Moses and was perhaps, uh, and, or he was rather, his assistant in many ways, Joshua says, or God says to Joshua, tell the Israelites to designate the cities of refuge 
as I instructed you through Moses. In the book of Judges, obey the Lord's commands, which he had given their forefathers through Moses. 1 Kings 2, observe what the Lord your God requires, uh, and a little bit further down, as written in the law of Moses. 2 Kings 18, um, all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded. Um, we can go on. There's another page there. Um, 1 Chronicles 6, um, uh, about halfway down the passage, 649, um, uh, Aaron and his descendants were the ones who presented offerings on the altar of burnt offering and on the altar of incense in connection with all that was done in the most holy place, making atonement for Israel in accordance with all that Moses, the servant of God, had commanded. I've got more proof passages from Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Daniel, um, and, uh, and so forth, and Malachi um, on, the, on the fourth page also. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. So have I beat that sufficiently? All righty. <clears throat> there are also quotes in the New Testament to every book of the Pentateuch and Moses, connecting them to Moses. And Jesus is the one who often, or Paul, makes those connections. Have you not read in Moses? You don't even know what Moses said and so forth. And then quoting from all five books of the Pentateuch. So date, um, the Exodus happened in what year? 1446 BC. So I like to teach this poem. Are you ready? This is how we know, remember the date of the Exodus and the Pharaoh of the Exodus. Because Hollywood loves to get this wrong, and I don't know why. Or Hollywood is guilty of always getting the Pharaoh of the Exodus wrong. Um, and I know why they do it, but, but it's just wrong. So the Pharaoh of the Exodus was named Thutmose III. And the date of the Exodus is 1446 BC. But this is how you remember with this poem. In 1492, the pharaoh's name was Thutmose II. In 1446 BC, the pharaoh's name was Thutmose III. Does that help? No, not really. Okay, well, anyway. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, but I will say this. If you are, there, there are certain dates A.D., that correspond to certain dates B.C. that might help you remember certain things. For example, um, everybody right now, say out loud, the year you were born. Ready? Go. 1964. Okay. All of those years, we did it all together so nobody would actually hear anybody's. Um, so the year of your birth is one of the year one of the years when, when Abraham was alive, B.C. Okay? So our, our generations, because Abraham lived 175 years, we have a couple generations here where everybody's birth year is an Abraham year, if you put B.C. on it. Then people like Christopher Columbus and Martin Luther were alive around 1500 or 14-something. Those years correspond to Moses' years, B.C., okay? If that, if that helps a little bit. If you want to get really complicated, then if you know uh, something that happened during the Crusades, the Crusader years, 
especially 1000 to 1100 BC, or rather AD, in, in, in BC correspond to kings Saul and David. All right? Now, I can get even more complicated, but I'm not going to. Okay? Those, but those, 2000, 1500, 1000, can help us remember when things happened in the, in the scriptures. All right? All right. So Exodus was written uh, in, in the, about the year 1446 when Moses was at Mount Sinai. Leviticus was written the same year. God gave Moses the law that Moses wrote into the book of Leviticus the same year. The book of Numbers took Moses 40 years to finish because there was that 40 years of wandering. Deuteronomy is basically three sermons preached, or, or three cycles of sermons, preached by Moses in the final year, 1406 B.C., right before Moses died and they went across the, the Jordan into Jericho and began the conquest of the land of Canaan. So Genesis, I think, was written before Moses wrote Exodus. And the reason I think that is because the book of Exodus begins with the word and. And when the same author writes more than one book, we often have that and as, as the beginning, especially in Hebrew. I don't think, John, you're going to find it in Hebrew. Um, um, uh, but uh, but that's, 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 how, that's, that's how we go into Exodus. Yes, um, they often talk about it as the word of God. And so, you certainly get that impression from a couple of authors. Moses is one of them, um, and then uh, you get that idea in the Psalms from David, and certainly in all of the prophets, where God even tells, for example, Jeremiah, write this down in a scroll, and then and then some of the prophets start talking to each other through their scrolls. Jeremiah reads Daniel to find out when the end of the captivity is going to be. Micah and Isaiah start finishing each other's thoughts prophetically. It's really odd, but it's kind of cool that those two guys knew each other. Micah living outside the walls of Jerusalem, Isaiah living in the walls of Jerusalem during the Assyrian conquest. And they were there to see the Assyrians kind of come up to the neck and then leave again. And then Isaiah writes about the coming Babylonians, but... They are finishing one another's thoughts. And then in the New Testament, you get, in, in particular, there's a statement in 2 Peter where Peter says, Paul writes many hard things, but we listen to him as we do the other scriptures. So if you accept the apostles as authors of scripture, that is Matthew, John, Peter, then Peter essentially has elevated Paul to scripture. Peter and Paul quote from some of the Gospels. For example, Paul quotes from Luke and Acts. There's not much left of the New Testament now. If you have Matthew, Luke, Acts, all of 13 letters of Paul, uh, and all you've got left that hasn't been touched on is the book of Hebrews, James and Jude. And James and Jude <clears throat> appear to be written by brothers of Jesus. So that doesn't leave you with a lot of the New Testament that isn't covered in that one statement under what is Scripture. And they knew they were writing Scripture. Yeah. Does that help? No, that does. Thank you. Okay. All right. Really good question. All right. Um, possibly, 
Genesis was the earliest book of the Bible that was written. However, the events, not the text, but the events of the book of Job happen about the time that, oh, Isaac and Jacob are living. So 1800 BC or so, that's when Job happens. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit later when we get into the, into the genealogy of Esau in Genesis. Job, we, start, we, we have to talk about Job in, con, in connection with Genesis 36, which some, I think some Bible classes would skip because it's one of the boring genealogies. But wow, there's cool stuff we can learn there. So we'll, we'll come back to it. I, I kind of get excited about that. And um, uh, so, um, some, and also Moses also wrote uh, Psalm 90. So uh, probably during this time at some time, and I, when you think about the Exodus and the number of Israelites who died during the, the 40 years sojourn, then you get a Psalm like Psalm 90. Oh, man's lifetime is 70 years or 80 if he's strong enough. And I, I don't wonder why Moses wrote Psalm 90 when he was doing how many funerals a day? Two million Israelites in 40 years? How many funerals a day is that? It's a lot. It's a lot. It's like a hundred. It's like a lot of funerals. All right. Um, this is from uh, uh, a writer I respect named Derek Kidner. Genesis is in various ways almost nearer the New Testament than the Old. And some of its topics are barely heard uh, again till their implications can fully emerge in the gospel. So pretty cool evaluation of kind of kind of a startling thing for for. for for, for someone to come up with. And what he means, by the way, are things like the doctrine of marriage and the fall of man and the jealousy of Cain and the judgment of the flood and the imputed righteousness of the believer and the rival sons of the promise and of the flesh and the profanity of Esau, Jacob's brother, and the pilgrim status of God's people. All of those are really New Testament things, but they're themes, and they're all here in Genesis. All right, so um, I, I have a, 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 an outline for you. It's actually quite short now that I think about it. The beginning history of God's saving activity begins, this bottom of page four, um, first of all in the ancient world with creation, the fall, Cain, the patriarchs before the flood, the flood itself, and then the patriarchs from Noah to Abraham, Right? There is a, a commentary in our, in our, in our Wells uh, publishing house just on those 11 chapters of, the, of, of Genesis by Professor uh, John Jeske. Some of you may have heard of Mark Jeske, who does the Time of Grace uh, videos. That's his son. And then you have, very simply, God's saving activities among the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and ultimately Joseph. But... So it, it kind of clips along that in chronological order. So it's a story of the beginning of the universe, the beginning of mankind, the beginning of sin, the beginning of the promise of the Savior, and presents the beginning of God's actions. And then there are these things called toledoth. Rhymes with hold the door. Let's all say toledoth. Toledoth. Toledoth is the Hebrew word for generations or history or account. And there are 10 of them in Genesis. That's, that's Moses' own outline of the book. So, And these are the 10. They're there on page 5. 
uh, chapters 2 to 4, the account of heaven and earth. Then chapters 5 and 6, the account of Adam. Then up to chapter 9, you have the account of Noah. And then the sons of Noah, the account of Shem, the account of Terah. And huh? Who's Terah? Well, from this point onward, when Moses gives you the account of this man, it's really the man's son we're going to talk about. So who is Terah's son? Abraham. So that's really the story of Abraham. And then you get the quick uh, uh, toledot of, of uh, Ishmael, and then the one of Isaac, and then a short one of Esau, the shortest one in Genesis, I believe, uh, or Ishmael and Esau are. And then the long account of Jacob, which is really not about Jacob. Jake, the Jacob story is under Isaac. Under Jacob, it's really Joseph's story. And that's how, that's how the book uh, then concludes. All right. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Orleans, Minnesota.